Good morning. I have some good news and I have some bad news. The good news is if I keep the time, we'll be out at half past. The bad news is I'm not very good at keeping the time, so coffee might be late. <laughs> Lord, just as we gather around your word, open our hearts and our minds. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Parable of the Sower. So we've taken this from Mark, and it's hap- this parable appears in all three synoptic gospels, so in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Jesus tells the story of the sower who goes and spreads the seed, and some of the seed falls on the path and is eaten by birds. Some of the seed falls on rocky ground, and that withers when the sun comes. Some seed falls in ground, it grows up and it's choked by thorns and weeds. Another seed falls on good ground and grows and produces a, a large crop. Jesus then goes on to interpret this. And um, I like how the message phrases this when, he, he, when Jesus is talking to the disciples. Um, Let me just read it from this little bit from the message. Um, He said to the disciples, You've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. But to those who can't see it yet, everything comes in stories, creating readiness, nudging them towards receptive insight. These are people whose eyes are open but don't see a thing whose ears are open but don't understand a word, who avoid making an about-face and getting forgiven. So the story is there to help create readiness, in basically explaining truth in a way which they will listen to. And I find that really encouraging because um, if I go back to earlier in my life, maybe I wasn't ready to listen And without Jesus' interpretation here and telling us what it means, then I'm not sure I'd be smart enough to fully understand what Jesus was saying either. So thank you, Lord. But Jesus said, the seed is the word of God. And that the seed on the path, which was eaten by the birds, that's basically people who have no understanding of the word, they're not prepared to listen, Satan takes that away from them straight away. Seed which falls on the rocky ground. These people receive the word of God. But because they have no depth in their faith, basically they fall away quickly. The seed which falls on the ground, which gets choked by thorns and weeds. These people receive the word of God and they they grow. The plants grow but they get choked by cares of the world, so they can't produce a crop. And then the seed which falls on the good ground are those who receive the word of God. The plants grow up healthy, they grow strong, and it produces a a magnificent crop of maybe 30 or 60 or 100 times. Now this parable is sometimes called the parable of the soils. There's a focus on how receptive people are to the word of God. 
And this is, this is good, because this is more or less what Jesus was saying. But like most parables, we can look at it this on several different levels. So Jesus, at one point, is, could be saying, look at the current situation where I'm in. So if you look at the lead-up in the gospel towards this, Jesus has been performing miracles, he's been healing people, he's been teaching people, the crowds have been receptive, some have gone on like the man who was born blind and healed, he went round and telling everyone like crazy. He was sharing God's word uh, to whoever would listen. There are others like the rich young man who came and Jesus said, you know what? You need to deal with the wealth. It's choking your spiritual life. And he went away sad. There were those who were maybe nominal disciples who would come and listen and say, yeah, great time, all the rest. But as soon as you know, the uh, Pharisees or whatever started to persecute a little bit, they would fall away. And then perversely, Maybe some of, the, some of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees were those who weren't listening, who wouldn't receive God's word. And these people should, should have known much better. So Jesus is almost summarizing how people in his day was responding to the word of God, to what Jesus was and his teaching. He was telling the disciples that not everyone is open to God's word. Another way of looking at this parable is it's a reflection on why people do or don't respond to God's word. So this is where we look at it from the, from the soil, type of soil that the seed lands on. So some people have hard hearts. They're blinded to the spiritual truth. They don't want to know. It doesn't fit in with their worldview, and um, it just does not make sense to them at this point. There are some who are spiritually shallow, very happy to follow while everything's going well, but, you know, if something goes wrong, whatever, well, didn't work, it's not for me, blah, blah, blah. There are some who could have depth, but they let other things take priorities in their lives, things like wealth, like power, the list goes on. And some respond with joy and produce a crop. I want to look at this now in a slightly different way. I want to look at the seed and think about this, what the seed is actually in the parable is doing. When we were preparing for this, uh, Daphne mentioned that at the women's conference, the person who was speaking there said, you really need in this parable to think about the seed. And I thought, it's a little strange. This is not really what the parable is about. But there is a lot that we can learn if we think about the seed for a little bit. So um, let's look at the seed. So Jesus quite clearly says that the seed is the word of God. I would say maybe we could think about each seed being an opportunity for God's word to make a difference in someone's life. Okay? Each seed could be an opportunity 
for God's word to make a difference in someone's life. The other thing is, the seed was spread liberally, indiscriminately. It was broadcast all over the place. And this was the normal way that seed was done in that time. It was sort of just broadcast around. But Jesus is very clear. He's he's saying, we're not trying to just plant the seed in good soil. We're spreading the opportunity everywhere. There's no attempt to confine it just to good soil. When we plant our stuff in the garden, or a farmer these days plants a crop in the field, we try and confine the seed into the good soil and maximise the crop. In this parable, the seed is spread very liberally and indiscriminately because God wants all to hear his word. And God wants all to respond to his word. Then what does Jesus expect from the seed? Well, if we look through the parable, we see that the expectation is that the seed should grow and produce more seeds. This is how the soil is judged, by how strong the plant grows and by how much of a crop is produced. And the interesting thing you see in the good soil is that not all seeds produce the same crop. Not all the, the, each plant doesn't generate the same harvest. Some are 30, some are 60, some are 100. We all have different skills. We all have different abilities. And there are different opportunities that God gives us. I can imagine someone in North Korea would have very limited opportunities compared to maybe someone in the West. So, you know... It's more that we produce a crop rather than the number of seeds. And if we look at these seeds and look at what stops a seed from growing and being productive, I'm going to start with the rocky ground. In, in the message, it's called gravel. That's kind of a good picture to have in terms of soil which has no depth It holds very little moisture and very little nutrients. And I want to label this this section about the rocky ground is this is more about relationship with Jesus. I think this is trying to tell us that if if you don't have a good understanding of God's word, if you don't have a good understanding of what Jesus' love and death on that cross means, if your understanding is superficial, then your relationship with Jesus will be superficial. Maybe we would look at this and say it's people who maybe has, have a nominal faith. There was a story that I read in one of Rob Parsons' books where a man who was in his 30s, late 30s, early 40s, he'd been reasonably successful He was an upright member of the local church. He was even involved in the leadership and was helping out and all the rest. And then one day he lost his job and his life started to fall apart because his value was through his work. And the sad thing was that because he felt that, or his relationship with Jesus is, I do things for you and you repay me with good gifts, with money, with everything, 
It was like, I do something for you, you do something for me. He fell away. He stopped going to the church. He, was, he lost his faith. This is someone who, whose understanding of what that relationship with Jesus should be, um, you know, basically he didn't have deep roots to help him through that difficult time. So how do we avoid this? And I would say it's really about spending time in God's word. It's spending time in God's presence in prayer. It's spending time learning from mature Christians in the faith. It's all about cultivating that understanding and that experience of living day by day with Jesus. If we look at the weeds and the thorns, then I'm going to label this section priorities in our lives. What are the priorities? What's important? The thing, first thing I notice is that this soil could be productive. The, the plants, the seed grew and produced a plant. But this, those plants got choked by other things. And, you know, we can all put things ahead of God, things that seem to be more important. A little while ago, or a few months ago, a year ago, Gary did a a little demonstration with tennis balls in a tube and trying to put sand in. If we put all the sand in first, all the little things in life, and let those take there, we can't fit the big things of life into that tube because the sand is down the bottom and the balls won't go in. But if we put the big important things of life in and fit the rest in around it, we can fill that tube with sand and still make everything fit in. There are many things which can distract us in life. I've got here the seven deadly sins of pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, and sloth. I'm going to maybe split them down to just a couple of simpler headings like wealth and power. We have many distractions these days. But these are the same distractions in wealth and power. or Many other, there's other things as well. Some people, it might be sex or something. But these have been around for millennia. They're not new. It's just that we need to balance these desires with following Jesus. And I hesitate to really get into a lot of detail here because what's right for one person would be wrong for another and it's sometimes difficult to understand what the Lord is telling us. But if our desire is I just want a better house because I want to be better than the neighbours, if I want a better car or I want to earn more money in the career, if these things are taking our time and these are our desires we will find that we will not be happy. As soon as we get them, we'll want something even better. If you're fortunate enough to earn a million pounds, then if that's what's driving you, then you will want to earn 10 million pounds. Now, I'll just stop here and say, wealth of itself is not wrong. 
but the all-consuming desire for it is. So if you look at the wealthy man who was described in Luke 18, where when he came to Jesus and said, look, I've followed all of the commandments, I've loved the Lord, I've loved my neighbour, what am I still lacking? And Jesus said, you need to deal with your wealth. And he was unhappy and it went away sad. But if we compare that in the following chapter of Luke 19 to Zacchaeus, who was also wealthy, tax collector, and he gave back out generously. When he, was, when he came to, to Jesus, his life changed. Didn't necessarily stop being wealthy, but he was generous. He gave back, he made amends. So I would say, if we are wealthy and blessed, then we need to be generous and wise with it. We don't need to support every cause that comes our way, but we do need to be very attuned to what God is leading and be generous with sharing and helping others with that wealth. With power, some people just crave power. We can think of politicians who are career politicians who... Don't mind stabbing others in the back just to get up that greasy pole. In the different companies that I've worked in, I've known people who are very happy to just stand on other people and just to climb up that pole of success. Some slide down very quickly as well. And even in the church, you see some people who want to have authority over others not because um, they have necessarily giftings, but they want the authority. Now, power and authority of itself is not wrong, but power used to further your own wealth and when used to corrupt justice is just toxic. If you have been blessed with authority and power and been given these positions, then, just like David and Solomon, and Jesus. Use it wisely. Jesus set us a very good example. He had authority. He had immense power. But he had humility. Just think of the time when he washed the disciples' feet. This was a servant's role, yet he did it. Jesus calls us to do the same. Jesus did not expect to be served, but to serve. And then the good soil. Lives lived in a deep and rich faith with Jesus produces many seeds. And then if we think about these seeds that are produced, what are these seeds for? Well, they're just more opportunities for God's words to be shared and spread liberally around. We want our lives to be fruitful so there are more opportunities to share God's word so that God's kingdom will come. We need to cultivate our lives to produce that crop. Now, while we may all have these weeds and thorns in our lives, and I know I certainly have many, really that Jesus needs to deal with. And some are easily removed but others are very deep-rooted and very pernicious and keep coming back to taunt us. But these are the things that distract us from being as fruitful 
and producing as many opportunities for sharing God's life or sharing God's word in our lives. The things that are in our heart are the things that bubble up to the surface. And these are the things that people will see in our lives. Jesus said this, it's true. Um, if, if people see us as people with assurance in God's word, who live according to God's word, and who are you know, true to God's word, it makes them question. It gives opportunities. We can then be sowers of God's seed, of God's word, wherever we go, by the life and demonstration of what we do. But if we mishandle money or power or authority or anything else, then what we sow will be limited. People will see through and our witness is weak. Jesus wants us to be fruitful because he loves us. And he gave the ultimate, he gave himself for us. Let's maybe just spend a few moments just looking and thinking and about what is it in our lives that Jesus wants to deal with. How can we be more fruitful? How can we be more generous in what God has given us? Let's just reflect for a moment. If the musicians or the worship team would like to come up, we'll, we'll um, be ready for a song in a minute.